Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the one and only Sean Sports Stop Podcast. That's right. This is episode number 300 on the dot. 300. What a milestone. It's great to reach this point. And we have so much to talk about on today's episode. The Lakers are the 2020 NBA champions. Some NFL coaching changes. Obviously, week five of the NFL season is almost done, but not done quite yet. Baseball players, baseball playoffs, excuse me, some football injuries, um, some soccer, other baseball news. So with all that said, let's get right into it, starting with the Lakers. The Lakers are champions for the 17th time in franchise history, tying the Boston Celtics for the most NBA championships all time. The Lakers beat the Miami Heat 106-93 in Game 6 of the 2020 NBA Finals at Walt Disney World Resort, bouncing back from a Game 5 loss. This was a game that was a that was a blowout from st- pretty much start to finish. It was close for like the first half of the first quarter, but after that, the Lakers pulled away. They were up, I believe it was 26 points at the half, and they never looked back. Uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Rajon Rondo, playoff Rondo, spearheaded a balanced effort and defensive showcase in the blowout, helping the Lakers tie the Celtics. Bam Adebayo led the way for Miami. Uh, I mean, while the Heat are, are surely not interested in moral victories, they still exceeded pretty much everyone's expectations of, you know, as a whole this season. Uh, I would assume their own as well. I mean, everyone kind of knew they'd be a playoff team, but I don't think anyone expected them to make the finals and take the Lakers or whoever came out of the West to six games, whether it be the Lakers, Clippers, Houston, whoever else it could have been. Uh, so it was an amazing season for Jimmy Butler, the Miami Heat, all their role players. Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson was great. Goran Dragic being able to play Game Six after tearing something in his leg in um, in the Eastern Conference Finals that was huge. I mean, just being able to do that. Eric Spoelstra, obviously the longtime Heat coach, been with the Heat for over 20 years, starting as a video coordinator. I also believe that these finals were the first NBA Finals where the two head coaches each started their careers. As video coordinators, Frank Vogel started as a video coordinator for the Boston Celtics before becoming the head coach of the Indiana Pacers, obviously against Eric Spolstra and LeBron James when he was with the Miami Heat um, in in the Eastern Conference Finals in like 2012 and 2013. So Vogel started as a video coordinator for the Celtics. Eric Spolstra obviously started with the Heat and he's been with the Heat his entire career. Braun obviously led the way for the Lakers with 28 points, 14 rebounds, 10 assists, another finals triple-double. Anthony Davis with 19 points, 15 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 blocks, so he does it all. Rajon Rondo with 19 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. Bam Adebayo was great for Miami with 25 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 blocks. And Jimmy Butler finally slowed down. He was not able to have one of his signature games in Game 6, as he only had 12 points, 8 assists, and 7 rebounds. Um, so yeah, the Lakers are 17-time champions. This was huge. LeBron James with a mic drop after saying that he wants a damn respect. His fourth NBA championship alongside his fourth NBA Finals MVP. Anthony Davis gets his first ring. Dwight Howard completes the redemption tour with the Lakers and gets his first ring. Rajon Rondo gets his second. He's the second player in NBA history to win a championship with the Lakers and Celtics. Uh, Obviously winning his first ring in 2008 against the Lakers with the Celtics dynasty of Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen when he was only 21 years old. Being 34 now, he spoke about how uh, that's a whole different experience for him. Quinn Cook. Uh, getting his second ring, his first one with the Lakers, obviously, and his dad was a huge Laker fan, so that obviously means a lot a lot for Quinn. Obviously, guys like Kyle Kuzma, Alex Caruso, KCP, Markeith Morris, first ring for those guys. Costa, a funny one, Costa Santacumpo with his first championship, winning one before his 
older brother MV, perennial MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo. So that's pretty funny. Kostas is also the first Greek player to ever win an NBA championship. JaVale McGee was with his third ring in four years, uh, obviously winning two with the Golden State Warriors and now one with the Lakers. Let's see who else was there. Um, Jared Dudley, I believe it's his first one. Um, Frank Vogel with his first. Jason Kidd with, an, with another one as an assistant coach this time. So, yeah, it's amazing. It was a great Lakers season despite everything, despite having to do it in a bubble because of coronavirus, despite pausing the season even after that because of social justice concerns, um, you know, just every, everything everything involved. Some people are going to look at this season with an asterisk. I'm not one of those people. I think this was probably the most deserved championship, you know, in terms of how hard it was and how long it took winning it in October of 2020 after the season started in September of 2019, you know, a 13-month season. That's unbelievable. So congrats to the Lakers, number 17. And Braun already told AD that they have more work to do for number 18. So it's uh, it's fun to be a Laker fan again. I mean, I've stuck with the team through the good times, through the bad times, but it's great to be a Laker fan once again, back to the former glory. The Lakers have also started each decade of this millennium with a championship obviously Kobe and Shaq in 2000 in the year 2000 Kobe Pau Gasol in 2010 and now LeBron James and Anthony Davis keep the tradition going in 2020 with that I'm switching gears to the NFL the Atlanta Falcons have finally fired head coach Dan Quinn and general manager Thomas Dimitrov on Sunday after a 23 to 16 loss to the Carolina Panthers which dropped the Falcons to 0-5 on the 2020 season honestly the falcons might be the best 0-5 team of all time i mean they're a team that is loaded offensively obviously with matt ryan julio jones and todd Gurley, but they just they've lost so many winnable games so many like this one was winnable they didn't choke probably i would assume maybe they did but i don't think they did but that game against the cowboys when they lost like what was it 50 to 49 or something crazy like that they were the first team out of 450 teams to lose when they put up at least 39 points and commit zero turnovers. Then the next game, they were up 20-0 to zero against the Chicago Bears. They lose that. I think they also became the first team to lose back-to-back games where they had over a 90% chance of winning. So the Falcons just found multiple ways to choke. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is a team that obviously famously choked a 28-3 Super Bowl lead to the New England Patriots. So as early as, as recently as three years ago, this team was in the Super Bowl, and now they're 0-5. Uh, despite arguably having more talented players, so it became clear that Dan Quinn is they should have been done a long time ago, but better late than never, similar to Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans. Switching gears to baseball. Baseball Hall of Famer Joe Morgan died Sunday at the age of 77 after suffering from a nerve condition, according to a family spokesman. Bob Nightingale of USA Today for his report is in the news. Morgan, if you don't know, was a 10-time All-Star and two-time MVP who won two World Series titles with the Cincinnati Reds in 19, 1975 and 1976 as part of a historic lineup that also included Pete Rose and Johnny Bench. He spent 22 years in the majors, which in and of itself is unbelievable, including time with the Houston Astros, San Francisco Giants, Philadelphia Phillies, and Oakland Athletics. He finished his career with 2,517 hits, 689 stolen bases, and 1,650 runs scored, adding in his Adding in his defensive prowess at second base with five gold gloves, Morgan is considered one of the best all-around players in the history of baseball. According to Baseball Reference, his 100.5 wins above replacement ranks 21st all-time among position players. Quote, I cherish the fact that I'm considered the most complete player in the game, Morgan said in a 1976 interview, 1976 interview with Mark Mulvoy of Sports Illustrated. I'm not saying the best, but the most complete. The best is always a matter of opinion, but the most complete is right there on paper. And he has a very strong argument for that. 
1990, he was selected to the Hall of Fame in his first year on the ballot with 81.8% of the vote. After his retirement from the sport, Morgan launched an impressive career, second career, I should say, as a broadcaster that included 21 seasons announcing Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. I didn't even know that. That's that's amazing. And um, my sincerest condolences are with his family, friends, and loved ones at this time. Lost a legend. Transitioning to more baseball. The Chicago White Sox announced Monday morning that the team and manager Rick Renteria were parting ways after four seasons. This was a very surprising move for me, considering the fact that the White Sox made the playoffs for the first time in a long time this year. Renteria is 58 years old. He, comp- he compiled a 236 and 209 record during his time as manager. The White Sox were, were one of the best stories in all of baseball this year. However, going 35 and 25 and clinching a playoff berth, they lost in the American League wildcard series to the Oakland A's. That was a series that you know, the A's were favored and they were the much higher seed, but I thought the White Sox had a, a great pitching staff, obviously with Lucas Giolito and Dallas Keuchel. Um, but, and, and obviously so many power hitters. I mean, just such a strong lineup in Luis Robert, Yohan Moncada, Jose Abreu, who's likely the AL MVP, Yasmani Grandal, uh, Nomar Mazzara, Edwin Encarnacion. Just such a powerful lineup, I thought. I honestly thought the White Sox would at least beat the A's despite being the underdog, but they did not. It was a three-game series. Renteria also spent one season as the manager for the Chicago Cubs in 2014, leading the team to a 73-89 record. He's also had stints as the bench coach of the San Diego Padres and the White Sox, and he managed Mexico in the 2013 World Baseball Classic. Um, So, as Joel Sherman tweeted, this is a very interesting perspective. This is the second time that Renteria has been fired by, by a Chicago team seemingly on the brink of a special run. He was dismissed by the Cubs after the 2014 season in favor of Joe Madden. Now having led the White Sox to the postseason for the first time since 2008, he was fired. And, I mean, man, the White Sox could be on the brink of something special. So Renteria possibly got the short end of the stick twice. Um, the White Sox have, I mean, how, how could I forget, Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez. So, I mean, they have a loaded-ass team very loaded team so it sucks for him i mean this is very similar to mark jackson and the golden state warriors as soon as he got fired steve kirk came in and the dynasty ensued um i would not be surprised the white Sox world series after firing Renteria. and i'm not saying he's a bad manager but sometimes that's just what it takes and, and that sometimes that's just what it is switching gears to football dallas cowboys quarterback Dak prescott is out for the remainder of the 2020 nfl season after suffering a compound fracture and dislocation of his right ankle in sunday's 37 to 34 win over the new york giants the 27 year old was taken immediately to the hospital and underwent surgery per espn's todd archer and his timeline for recovery is four to six months so he will likely be back next year but this just shows you why players or at least shows me personally i don't know about you shows me why players should not you know take discounts for the team and should hold out and should be stubborn and should want the money that they're worth because you know stuff like this happens a compound fracture in his ankle who knows if he will ever be the same again i mean who who knows quote he's good been in high spirits all night and morning minor setback for a major comeback a source told jane slater of the nfl network after Dak had successful surgery head coach mike mccarthy announced on monday that Prescott had been released from the hospital and was recovering at home. Um, Prescott was heading for a career year, throwing for 1,856 yards already with nine touchdowns and four interceptions. So the Cowboys have struggled in the early going, starting at 2-3. and three. The team did move into first place in the hapless NFC East with Sunday's win, however, but now 
there without their franchise quarterback in Dak Prescott. Andy Dalton, a former longtime starter for the Cincinnati Bengals, will now move into the starting QB position for the Cowboys. And Andy Dalton is someone that is by, by no means is he not he is not no Dak Prescott right now, but he is somebody that that can lead the Dallas Cowboys, I believe, especially when the NFC East is is as weak as it is. I mean, I'll take a look later, but uh, later in the episode when I cover the other scores from Week Five. But I mean, I'm still I'm certain that nobody has a winning record in the NFC East. It's the Cow Cowboys, Giants, Washington, and Philadelphia. They're they're all pretty fucking bad this year. So like really bad. Like it's not like a four way tie type type of deal like in previous years. Previous years like they're all one and four or some shit like that. <laughs> the NFC East is an absolute absolute dumpster fire. Um. So yeah. So with that um. With that, I am transitioning to playoff baseball. It is now the league championship series, and the Tampa Bay Rays have a 2-0 lead in the ALCS against the Houston Astros. Charlie Morton got the win in Game 2 against his former team. Lance McCullers Jr. picked up the loss, and Nick Anderson had the save. So starting off, Manuel Margot did it all for the Rays in Game 2. He started off the bottom of the first with a three-run shot. That scored G-Man Choi and Randy Arozarena, who's been absolutely lights out for the Rays as well. Later in the game, Margot made a he made an unbelievable catch over the right field wall uh, in foul territory to uh, ultimately hold off the Astros. Then Carlos Correa kept his unbelievable postseason going with a solo shot in the sixth. Mike Zanino extended the, the Rays' lead in the seventh with a solo shot of his own. And George Springer had an RBI ground out in the top of the ninth that scored Yuli Gurriel, but that was not enough as the Rays took a 2-0 series lead, like I said, by a score of 4-2. This was, I mean, this is, the Rays kind of keep this weird pattern going of being a good team, but not necessarily winning games rather than their team, their opponent losing games. For example, against the Yankees in the ALDS, I thought the Yankees were much more talented, much better, but the the Rays just came through when it mattered and they just, I, I don't know how to explain this. The Yankees just choked and it seems like the Astros are doing the same thing. The Astros beat the Rays in last year's ALDS. Yeah, last year's ALDS. But this year, I mean, in the ninth inning, the Astros loaded the bases on two separate occasions and only got one little measly RBI ground out of it, out of it from George Springer. Um, you know, it was it was a situation where the Rays pitcher, I forgot his name, he threw eight straight balls, and then Alex Bregman decided, yeah, let me just swing at the first pitch that he popped up when the guy threw literally eight straight balls and couldn't find couldn't buy a strike to save his life. So yeah, like I said, the Rays take a two zero series lead, and. They're two wins away from the World Series. They'll play the, the winner of the Dodgers Brave Series over in a second in the 2020 World Series. With that, I'm switching gears to college football. Baylor Athletic Director Mark Rhodes, Mac Rhodes, said on Monday that there are 28 active cases of COVID-19 among football players, while 14 staff members within the program have also tested positive, according to Cold Barber of Sikkim365.com. That's a real website. According to Barber's colleague David Smoke, there are 32 active cases among all Baylor student-athletes. ESPN's Sam Kahn Jr. reported that Baylor paused football activities on Thursday to perform contact tracing on recently returned positive tests and three days later postponed its Saturday game against number 7 Oklahoma State. Baylor's football schedule had already been adjusted twice for COVID-related matters. The Bears' September 12th season opener against Louisiana Tech was moved because of test results returned by the Bulldogs while a game against Houston for the following week was postponed the day before because positive tests limited Baylor in one position group, according to Con Jr. Oklahoma State's first game of the season was pushed back a week after Tulsa was forced to take a nine-day break from football activities due to COVID test results. 
The Big 12 says Sunday that the game will be played December 12th, and the league's championship game will be played either December 12th or December 19th. So that that's going to be huge. That might determine who plays in the championship game as Baylor's, I'm not sure, but I think they're one of the top teams uh, one of the top teams in college football, and obviously Oklahoma State is number seven. So that's going to be big, but it seems like otherwise it's going to be cool as far as Baylor and, and COVID and being able to play. Switching gears to more baseball, the Atlanta Braves gained the upper hand on the Los Angeles Dodgers to open the National League Championship Series, winning Game 1 by a score of 5-1 to one on Monday at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. On the fifth pitch of the game, Freddie Freeman went deep off Walker Buehler to give the Braves a 1-0 lead. That remained the only run scored in the game until Kike Hernandez tied the score with a solo home run of his own off Max Fried in the bottom of the fifth. It was the first home run that Max Fried uh, gave up off his curveball in since September of 2019. So that was unbelievable. I believe Bryce Harper took him deep off the curveball last time. It was also the first run that the Braves gave up um, this postseason, I believe. No, no, that can't be true. Maybe it is. Hold on, hold on. Let's check this out. So the Atlanta Braves, I know they had they had a crazy they had a crazy scoreless streak, but let's see. So obviously they beat the Dodgers. Yeah, no, no, not the Yeah, they had a scoreless streak of like 24 innings as they as before the Dodger game, they shut out the Marlins 7-0 and before that shut them out 2-0. So they had a that's at least 18 innings if but neither of those games went to extra innings, that's 18 innings plus Five against the Dodgers. Yeah, so like 23 or 24 scoreless innings. That was like the most since like the 1919 Cincinnati Reds or something like that. So unbelievable from the Braves. Uh, both teams were undefeated in the playoffs coming into this with the Dodgers, Dodgers sweeping the Brewers and then the Padres, the Braves sweeping the Reds and then the Marlins in the NLDS. Uh, but the Braves are still undefeated now at 6-0. and Austin Riley uh, was responsible for the decisive blow when he took Blake trying and deep in the ninth. This was a move that a lot of Dodger fans were not happy with Dave Roberts about, but you know Dave Roberts is always the scapegoat. If he would have put Kenley Jansen in the game, then you know it would have been a lot worse because of, because Kenley has been very streaky lately, very streaky. Marcelo Zuna added an insurance run with a single to bring Ronald Acuna Jr. home before Ozzy Albies' two-run home run broke it open. And coming in for an unsafe situation, Mark Melanson set the Dodgers down in order to steal the victory. So, like I said, the Braves take a 1-0 series lead. And big news, Clayton Kershaw was supposed to start game two today, which is literally in about a few minutes. It's 2.58 p.m. Pacific time here in L.A. right now as I'm recording this on Tuesday, October 13th, 2020. Kershaw was supposed to start today, but he was scratched due to back spasms. Originally, Dave Roberts said he could possibly start game three and if not, possibly game four. But since then, he's been ruled out for game three as well. But Dave Roberts said it is very likely that he will pitch sometime this series. Julio Urias, Urias, the young lefty from Mexico, We'll start Game 3 for the Dodgers, while Tony Gonsolin will start Game 2 today against Ian Anderson. That's going to be a duel. People, casual fans write, are writing Gonsolin off. He's been one of our top pitchers this year. So that's going to be that's going to be a very fun matchup. Hopefully the Dodgers even it up. Switching gears to more football now, as the New York Jets turn their eyes toward the future amid an 0-4 start. Le'Veon Bell is reportedly on the trade block. Per Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News, the Jets are, quote, shopping Bell with the hope of trading him sooner rather than later. Leading up, leading up to the November 3rd trade deadline. Albert Breer of the MMQB added that the Jets have had contact with teams about Bell and they could be, quote, willing to settle for a late pick and or back-end player in return. So that could be big. If they trade him for a back-end player, I'm not really sure what their goal is. I guess it's just cutting salary at that point because obviously you don't get any value back for him if you trade him for a back-end player. 
Bell's tenure with the Jets has been fraught with tension seemingly from the time that he signed with the organization in March of 2019. After Mike McCagnan was fired as the Jets' GM in May 2019, Meta reported head coach Adam Gaze, quote, absolutely did not want to sign Bell and, quote, made it clear that he didn't want to spend a lot of money on any running back. Gase and Bell seemed to be at odds during a team scrimmage in August when the three-time Pro Bowler took exception to being removed as a precaution following tightness in his hamstring. The relationship, he tweeted, quote, it's, it's tough to stay loose when you do a bunch of standing around dot 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 and amp I'm used to going. The relationship between the player and team hasn't gotten any better as the season has progressed. Over the weekend, Bell liked a couple of tweets that were critical of his role in the, in the, Jet pa- in the Jets passing attack. And he knows. I mean, fucking athletes know damn well that whatever tweet they like that may be controversial in any way shape or form will absolutely right away be picked up by the media by things like bleacher report by espn by house of highlights it will always be noticed that Le'Veon bell or whoever else it may be like the tweet that condemns his team or is in favor of him over the team or that he's not getting enough touches or whatever it may be they know damn well these athletes know damn well that whatever they like is immediately picked up on and scrutinized the jets have bell signed for two more seasons with a combined 17.5 million dollar base salary through 2022 the team can get can get out of his deal after 2020 with a four million dollar dead cap hit next year and two million in 2022 but i don't think that's what they would want to do they'd rather trade him obviously and he deserves to be traded i want to see him play on a good team you know maybe back to the steelers maybe to the rams just something honestly i want to see him on a good team Transitioning to more football, the third Tuesday game in NFL history is reportedly moving forward after the Tennessee Titans went a second consecutive day without a positive COVID-19 test. On the last episode of my podcast, I talked extensively about how the Titans broke COVID protocol, how the games have been postponed and rearranged, but it seems like now they finally have had no positive test the last two days. Uh, Tom Palacero of NFL Network reported the Titans testing for Monday revealed no new tests. The Titans had to shut down their facility down Sunday after tests from the previous day showed a staff member was positive for the virus. The Titans have spent a total of two days at their facility since since September 29th, which is crazy. I mean, it's been like two weeks, even more, when an outbreak put their season on pause. More than 20 players and staff have tested positive, by far, which has by far been the large, largest outbreak of the 2020 NFL season. Um, it's expected that, that the franchise will face some kind of punishment, but it's not exactly not exactly certain what kind of punishment they will face so um but it's it's just good that's ever that everything is sort sorted out and uh yeah more football now even more football the nfl is reportedly considering dallas and los angeles as potential host cities if the league decides to hold at least a portion of the playoffs in a bubble because of the coronavirus pandemic Lindsey Jones and Daniel Kaplan of The Athletic reported Monday the wildcard round could be played at home stadiums, followed, followed by moving to neutral sides for the divisional round and beyond. The MLB is using the same format. Quote, part of the discussion is that for playoffs, they may be able to do a bubble-type system that would avoid having to reschedule or losing key players because they are COVID positive or had contact with COVID positive, a source told The Athletic. It's a big undertaking if they do this. Per Jones and Kaplan, the NFL is not discussing any plans that include moving the remainder of the season into a bubble or 32 individual bubbles, despite the league's first widespread outbreak involving the Titans that I just talked about. In addition, the league is trying to alter the schedule as much as possible without being forced to create a Week 18 for postponed games. That will become more difficult as teams finish their bye weeks and have no open dates left on the calendar. Quote, overall, overall we're going to try to fit, fit it within the 17-week season and try to preserve making any changes to the 18th week until we have to, a source told The Athletic. 
It's possible some teams don't play all 16 of their games if there's a COVID-19 related postponement and the contest doesn't have playoff implications. That makes perfect sense. That game is just unnecessary. So that's the latest from the NFL and what they're thinking about. With that, I'm switching gears back to the NBA. Back to the NBA. Lots, a pretty busy episode today. Pretty busy episode. And uh, the Los Angeles Clippers assistant coach, Ty Lu reportedly has, quote, significant momentum in the Houston Rockets coaching search after meeting with team officials on Monday. Woj reported the Rockets may offer Lou the job before the Clippers have completed the interview process for the vacancy. Lou is considered a top contender for the, both the Clippers and Rockets openings. So maybe he's just, you know, obviously both are good teams in the West. So maybe he's just, his mentality is whoever offers me the job first is what I'm going to take. And it, it looks like it could be Houston. The Rockets are expected to interview ESPN analyst Jeff Van Gundy for their vacancy on Wednesday. Houston assistant John Lucas will also interview for the position. Ty Lue spent the 2019 season on Doc Rivers' bench after failed negotiations to become the Los Angeles Lakers head coach. Very happy that fell through because Frank Vogel was amazing in our championship season. The 43-year-old previously spent parts of four seasons coaching the Cleveland Cavaliers, obviously highlighted by him leading him leading them to their first NBA championship in the 2015-16 season, obviously alongside LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. So it seems like there is being momentum gained as far as Ty Lue becoming the next coach of the Houston Rockets. And honestly, I think that would be a huge downgrade, a huge downgrade from Mike D'Antoni. Switching gears to soccer, Portugal announced on Tuesday that Juventus star Cristiano Ronaldo has tested positive for COVID-19. On October 3rd, Juventus announced two of its staff members had also tested positive. As a result, all those involved with the club had gone into self-isolation. Portugal had a pair of matches last week, tying 0-0 with Spain in a friendly and earning the same score in Sunday's UEFA Nations League fixture with France. Ronaldo's positive test will rule him out of Wednesday's Nations League clash with Sweden. Portugal said in Tuesday's statement that no other players had a positive test. Upon the conclusion of the Sweden fixture, Portugal will not play again until November 11th, which is a month from now. Under Italy's COVID-19 protocols, Cristiano had to, will have to isolate for 10 days. That will rule him out of, of Saturday's Serie A clash with Crotone and Youth's Championship, Champions League opener with Dinamo Kiev on October 20th. He could be cleared to return October 25th against Hel- Hellas Verona. The five-time Ballon d'Or winner might also be available when Juventus play Lionel Messi and Barcelona in the UEFA Champions League in their next Champions League matchup after Dinamo Kiev. So that's the latest on Cristiano Ronaldo and his positive COVID-19 test. Switching gears back to football now. This made... This made pretty big news, and now there are more details about it. Uh, New Orleans Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas, his one-game suspension following a fight with teammate C.J. Gardner-Johnson in practice Saturday was reportedly a result of insubordination toward head coach Sean Payton and the coaching staff. Jeff Duncan of The Athletic reported Tuesday that Thomas, quote, talked back to coaches, including Payton, and obstinately refused counsel after the confrontation with Gardner-Johnson, which sparked the team's decision to sit him out of Monday night's win over the Los Angeles Chargers that almost cost it cost them and i'll get into that soon uh the saints officially suspended thomas for quote conduct detrimental to the team related to the incident per brett martle of the associated press the saints overcame a 20 to 3 deficit to score a 30 to, to score a 30 to 27 win over the chargers in overtime it marked their fourth straight game without quarterback drew Brees's number one target after he'd missed the previous three games with a high ankle sprain so for week one against the tampa bay buccaneers quote we had an incident and sean addressed it and many of the leaders have spoken with mike as well breeze told reporters after the game we're going to be all good the the suspension came after what duncan described as a quote pattern of troubling behavior which included instances where the whiteout quote barked at barked at team trainers 
for failing to tape his ankle properly and accused one administrative staffer of illegally going through his mail. So that is not a good sign. That's some Antonio Brown shit. That's some Aaron Hernandez shit. Hopefully everything is okay with Michael Thomas. And yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully everything's okay. And uh, it seems like he's going to be back with the Saints sooner rather than later as he's their best wide receiver, no doubt. Uh, with that, I'm switching gears to week five of the NFL season. Starting with the Ravens beating the Cincinnati Bengals 27-3. They improved to 4-1 and while the Bengals fall to 1-3-1. and No surprise there, I got that one correct. Next up, in a shocker, the Las Vegas Raiders beat the Kansas City Chiefs 40-32 to in a shootout in an AFC West matchup. The Raiders improved to 3-2 and while the Chiefs lose for the first time this year and fall to 4-1. and A very surprising well, result there. Then... The Pittsburgh Steelers are 4-0 for the first time since the 70s, I believe, with a 38-29 win over the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Steelers are in a new era following the losses of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. The Eagles fall to 1-3-1. I got this one correct. Then the Miami Dolphins, wow, they blew out the San Francisco 49ers 43-17. That's insane. The Dolphins improved to 2-3 while the Niners fall to 2-3. So that's big for the Rams and other teams in the NFC West like the Seahawks and Cardinals. The 49ers have been dealing with a plethora of injuries. Jimmy Garoppolo was back for this game. But after the Dolphins took a, I believe it was like a two, maybe a two-possession lead, uh, Kyle Shanahan decided to take Jimmy G out of the game and rest him to the, to the huge annoyance of 49ers fans. Then the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns beat the Indianapolis Colts. And I got this one right. The Browns are 4-1. and one. Talk about a new era. The Browns are 4-1. and one. You know, a couple of years ago, they were they went 0-16 two years in a row or something crazy like that. They're 4-1 now, while the Colts are 3-2, and so I got this one correct. Then, in the Monday Night Football matchup, the New Orleans Saints beat the Chargers 30-27 to in overtime. I got this one wrong. I picked the Chargers to get the upset, and they were very close, being up 20-3 to before losing 30-27 to in overtime. They're now 1-4, while the Saints improved to 3-2. and the Chargers are uh, the kind of team where they're really, really good, but they, they're in every game, and they just somehow find a way to lose every single game. It's really frustrating. It would be really frustrating if I was a Chargers fan. I'm a Rams fan, so thankfully. Then the Houston Texans got their first win in the season, beating the Jacksonville Jaguars 30-14. to They improved to 1-4, while the Jags fall to 1-4. Huge win for the Texans. J.J. Watt was having fun again after no Bill O'Brien, and I got this one right. I predicted a Texans W. Next up, the Carolina Panthers beat the Atlanta Falcons 23-16. Panthers improved to 3-2 while the Falcons fall to a league-worst 0-5. This led to the firing of Dan Quinn. So that's a W for the Falcons and their fans and organization. But I did think the I did think Atlanta would win this. I got this one wrong. I picked Atlanta over Carolina. Then, in no surprise, the Arizona Cardinals beat the New York Jets 30-10 uh, on the road. The Cardinals are now 3-2 while the Jets are 0-5. The Jets are tied for the worst record in the NFL with the Falcons at 0-5. No surprise. In another 30 to 10 win, the Los Angeles Rams beat the Washington football Washington football team. Like I said, 30 to 10. Great game for from Jared Goff. Kyle Allen with his first start with Washington. Alex Smith came into the game. That was amazing to see after his horrifying injury in late 2018. The Rams are now four and one, while the Washington football team are one and four. Um, the Rams have now have already swept the NFC East, beating the Eagles. Washington football team, Giants, and Cowboys already in this season. They've played all NFC East other than the Buffalo Bills, who they lost to in a very close game. Next up, the Dallas Cowboys survived a scare from the NFC East rival New York Giants, 37-34. They're now 2-3, while the Giants 
are in a three-way tie for the worst record in the NFL at 0-5 with the Atlanta Falcons and New York Jets. Got this one right. Or did I? Did I? I kind of remember picking the Giants to win. Let's see what I picked. No, I picked the Cowboys. Thank God. Next up, the Seattle Seahawks beat the Minnesota Vikings 27-26 in a thriller. They're 5-0. It's the first time in team history that the Seahawks are 5-0, while well, the Vikings are a very surprising 1-4. They've been a perennial NF playoff team, so I'm surprised to see them at 1-4, much like the Houston Texans. But Russell Wilson has been on a different level this year, and he's looking like an early MVP, the early MVP frontrunner. And later today, in the third Tuesday football game in NFL history, the Buffalo Bills play the Tennessee Titans in a game of two undefeated teams. And the Titans are at home, but I think the Bills are just too good. I think Josh Allen's going to lead the Bills to a W. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Sean Sports Up. This was a big one, number 300, and I'll see you guys in the next one. We out.